I'm Sam Carter. And I'm Dean Lowry. This is Carter and Lowry. Let's get started. Welcome back to Carter and Lowry, episode number 52. We are back with, uh, of course, me and Sam. Not Jack Cole this week, but a very special guest, our youth minister, Jason Reimer. Jason, uh, how's it going on this uh, great Tuesday? Oh, what's up, guys? Listen, it's my new hello. It's it, it sounded like the tomahawk chop chant, but it's not that because, you know, I just don't want to go into all that. But that's my new hello. That means I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? I'm great. It's going pretty good. <laughs> good. And our random question before we get started to talk about, obviously, uh, the Braves' victory in the World Series when they won 4-2 against the Astros is what is the best fruit? Uh, Sam, we'll start with you. What's the best fruit? Um, you know, I've had this discussion before, and I think it's got to be between peaches and mangoes. Um, but I'm leaning towards mangoes just because the texture. So, mm. all right, Jason, what do you think? Ooh, sorry, Sam. We were looking for watermelon. The correct answer is watermelon. I, like I think watermelon. I have a bottomless pit when it comes to it. It is incredible. Watermelon. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, I gotta go with banana. You know, we're all you know, supposedly descended from apes, and you know, it's the, it's the first fruit, um, but it's got to be sliced. It, I, I don't care what people tell me; it, it completely transforms it when it's sliced. So I think bananas are like the most perfect fruit. My favorite, though, I gotta agree with Sam. It's got to be mangoes. But enough talk about fruit. It's time to talk about baseball. And Jason. First question, uh, what was your reaction? You know, the first time you were there when they won in 1995, uh, not like at the game, but, you know, <laughs> alive. Alive, and, uh, present, And, you know, yes. what did this mean to you? Oh, man, this means so much. I mean, to go a full generation, 26 years since the last championship. You know, we got spoiled in the 90s. Uh, I was in high school getting made fun of as a Braves fan by my Reds uh, fans and Dodger fan friends. And all of a sudden we emerged in 91, but by 95, the pressure was on because we hadn't actually won. We finally uh, got that monkey off our back. But then, you know, we, it's, you, you can't take things for granted. So uh, this, this, meant, this meant a lot. And especially to do it the way we did it. You know, there were high expectations coming into the season and then just a lot of floundering, a lot of adversity. Of course, all the injuries um, and everything else that happened during the season where we just could never get above 500. So then to kind of miraculously pull it all together and have a run very similar to the 2019 Nationals where, you know, they just got hot in the last couple of months of the season two. Um, this just feels really special because it feels like the guys just wanted it and kind of arose above a lot of teams that probably had more talent, more depth, uh, that kind of thing. So I, I'm I'm on cloud nine, man. I'm loving it. All right. And uh, next up, you know, the decision, Jorge Soler, obviously he was the uh, World Series MVP. Uh, what do you feel about this? You know, should have gone to somebody else. Mm. Well, another, you know, I think second in the running was Tyler Matzik with just his shutdown uh, innings he was providing. Um, it, it, he would have been probably a close second. But, no, it, it's interesting. Soler really stepped up. Those three home runs, the, to be the first player to ever lead off a World Series with a home run, the huge pinch hit. Um, in game four, I believe it was, uh, was huge. And then, of course, the capper, I, probably my favorite home run. Guys, I've seen thousands of home runs in my life. My favorite home run of all time was just that annihilation of uh, the Luis Garcia pitch uh, in the capper game in game six. So 
I think it was deserved. Uh, he deserved it. Uh, it was great. Yes. And if you look at the additions, so Jock Peterson really won the Brewer series with his big hits. Uh, of course, uh, Eddie, Eddie Rosario was the MVP of the NLCS against the Dodgers, setting all the records uh, or tying the records for most hits in an NLCS. And then Solaire's big hits. The three big acquisitions, three of the four uh, at the trade deadline, were really the postseason heroes. That's uh, incredible. All right, Sam, you got any questions for Jason? Uh, yeah. Um, so I know what it's like being spoiled uh, as a Clemson fan, but does the, the wait of 26 years make it sweeter? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's interesting. You know, uh, I I even would kind of uh, get after the Braves fans sometimes there towards the end of their run in the 90s. Uh, And even, you know, they were good even in the 2000s somewhat and won more uh, division titles. But we really did get spoiled uh, and the attendance was low. And then, you know, I wanted to have one of those fan bases like the Red Sox or even the Yankees where, you know, they're, they're on their feet for every pitch. And I felt like this postseason we had that. We had more energy in the stadium than I can ever remember. So, yes, absence makes the heart grow grow fonder. And our absence away from winning definitely uh, created an energy around this team that is just very special. All right. And let's look ahead to next season. I know we want to cherish in uh, the victory, but uh, business must go on. And uh, the big topic is Freddie Freeman, the free agent. Um, you know, will he resign uh, in your eyes? Is there any way that he could leave the Braves? I see no way he leaves. I mean, he's hinted at it in some um, in some interviews, and so has Alex Anthopoulos, the GM. Uh, I would be shocked. I give it a a ninety three percent chance that he is back as an Atlanta Brave next year. And uh, I think he's one of those guys. Look, you know, he's foundational. He's on the Mount Rushmore of great Braves of all time. I think you give him a blank check and say, how long do you want to play? How much money is fair to you so that we can still surround you with good people? And he's the type of guy that I think uh, you can have that honest conversation with. He's kind of a generational talent. Um, and he's going to sell so many jerseys and just be the face of your organization still for the next, you know, five to six productive years. So I think you just got to bite the bullet. And if he wants to sign for eight, eight plus, you do that knowing that, uh, uh, all the things he's meant to you over the years. All right. And uh, what kind of ability will this team have to repeat uh, in the 2022 season? Fantastic ability. They get Mike Soroka back, who uh, had the ongoing Achilles tendon issue. We hope he's good. Um, my hope is actually that there could potentially be a DH in the National League next year. I can't believe I'm saying that because I am a traditionalist. If it goes that way and you've still got Solaire, you know, Peterson might sign elsewhere. He's unrestricted free agent. But, you know, you, so some things might move around. But with the, the full outfield, of course, Acuna coming back, uh, Rosario, Duvall, you've got young studs coming up, Drew Waters and Christian Pache in the minor leagues. Um, and when you start to look at this, this starting rotation with Freed, Anderson, Morton, if Soroka can come back and you find another missing piece, maybe it's Noah, um, Oscar Enoa uh, comes back stronger or, or someone else out of the pen, uh, this bullpen that you really won, won the series for them. I just see so many things pointing uh, in a positive way for this Braves team. Young outfield, all the outfielders almost hit 30 home runs. That would have been the first time that happened. I mean, it, and you've got uh, a rising star in Austin Riley at third base who uh, should have got some MVP considerations. I just, you know, the future is very bright. All right, and, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, we'll be back in April to talk with Jack Cole about the upcoming season, and hopefully we'll be back with Jason 
next October to talk about another Braves victory. But Sam or Jason, any final thoughts? Nope. Nope. Oh, did I get to do it with Sam? Because that's like a, you know, he's one, this is one of my highlights. I'm a huge fan, by the way, you know, first time, long time. For a long-time listener, first time uh, to be part of the show. So uh, that that meant a lot to be able to say nope with you, Sam. Thanks. Yep. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's going to do it for this MLB segment. And we'll be right back with college football. Welcome back to Carter and Lowry. And unfortunately, because the order that we recorded uh, these uh, segments for this week, uh, Sam has uh, undercome, you know, a little bit of a sickness, uh, been overcome with the sickness. And uh, he will not be here, but it's me and Miles and Miles. Uh, let's get started with uh, last week's scores and just uh, run us through uh, the big game, you know, the big upset of the week, number three Michigan State, 29, and uh, Purdue 20. Uh, what happened there? Well, as I said last week, I like Michigan State. I still do. But I think their season uh, – I shouldn't say that. Season's not over. They have some big games ahead of them. But I think every time I look at a top-five matchup playing an unranked Purdue thing team, I'm like – Purdue's winning. I expect them to win now. It's almost like a given. So I, I didn't watch the game. I don't really know too much about what happened. But Purdue's scary. They are. They always are. It's it's just a matter of time till they start winning the games. They should be winning, and then they're going to be pretty dangerous. All right. And uh, looking at uh, the other game, I wanted to highlight this week a bit of a scary test uh, for number two Alabama, winning narrowly uh, twenty to fourteen against LSU. Uh, how vulnerable is Alabama after what happened in this game? They are very vulnerable. They're, I think they're going to lose to Georgia in the SEC. And I say that because their offensive line is definitely their weak point. And obviously, Georgia's got one of, if not the best defense, arguably, of all time. And just a, an offensive line like that is just going to struggle too much. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to have to pull something up. And if they could mess up this, this before the season's even over and find themselves not even in the SEC championship in Atlanta come December. So obviously, you know they got to play Arkansas and they got to play uh, Auburn. Um, there's a slip up and a two loss Alabama team. Are they automatically just out? You think? Yeah, because if they lose, then Texas A&M is going to win the West, and they're not even going to touch the SEC championship game. There's no way that they even have a shot. And what if a Texas A&M team who has two losses uh, comes into Atlanta and beats Georgia? Would that team have a good chance to make the playoff? I think they would, but I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. All right, and uh, moving on to two games I want to highlight. Next week, you got a number eight Oklahoma still undefeated against a number thirteen Baylor. Um, you know what do you like here? And uh, you just give us a score prediction. Um, I like Oklahoma. Their offense is just too much for most of the Big Twelve. So. I'm going to go 48-38, Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, um, you know, as these rankings just came out, they're still eighth, and, uh, you know, they're undefeated in a Power 5 conference. Uh, could you see them possibly going undefeated and not making the playoff? No, absolutely not. I think my playoff prediction this year is going to be an SEC, Georgia. I think that's almost a lock now. Even if they lose SEC, and if they lose, it's going to be an SEC champion, but I don't think they will. So it's going to be Georgia, a Big 12 champion, a Big 10 champion, and then Cincinnati, Oregon, whoever whoever ends up, whoever the committee feels is just the best of the rest. All right, and uh, moving to the other game I wanted to highlight, you got number 12, Wake Forest, versus number 16, NC State. Both these teams, uh, you know, kind of on the fringe. And uh, we'll talk about the Wake Forest UNC game later, but is uh, Wake Forest automatically out in your eyes? Um, 
yeah, I don't think the ACC is good enough this year. Even if they win out and win the ACC, it's just not going to happen. All right, and uh, you know, obviously, Sam's not here to talk about Clemson, but they did beat Louisville at thirty to twenty-four. They'll play UConn next week, and I bet you say something like, you know, great game, but we're kind of out of the season, whatever. But they are bowl eligible now, so they will play in a bowl uh, for sure, and they're gonna beat UConn. So, uh, looking ahead for you know at that, um, but North Carolina, biggest win of the season, fifty-eight uh, to fifty-five against number nine Wake Forest. Uh, Miles, what did you see here? I was just sad. I think everyone liked Wake Forest. I, I I don't I didn't like Carolina going into the year. I thought Sam Howell was good, but I didn't know much about the rest of the team. And I the the ones I did because they they lost too much to the NFL. And Wake Forest, I think everyone liked Wake Forest, especially once they started playing well. Once uh, once they got to eight zero, everyone was thinking they were on their roll, on their hot streak. And then they they blew like what a seventeen point lead in the fourth quarter. I I don't know. It just makes me sad. And uh, looking ahead, you know, you you, you talked about, you know, your kind of playoff, you know, formula. You got Georgia, an SEC team, the Big 12 and the Big 10 champion. Um, you know, obviously Oregon is still right there. Um, you know, who do you like to come out of the uh, Big 10 East, you know, with Ohio State playing Michigan and Michigan State uh, in these last three weeks of the season? I think Ohio State's the best team in in the Big Ten by far, but it, there is a good chance they slip up purely because they have so much, so many tough games left, and uh, that you never know what could happen. And they could even end up losing to like, uh, who is it in the the West? Iowa, I think. I don't even know who's winning the other side of that conference, but they could. They, I think they could all slip up. I think there's going to be two. Two of those teams are going to lose at least one more game: Michigan, Michigan State, or Ohio State. Yeah, in the uh, West, it's uh, Purdue, Iowa State, and uh, Wisconsin are all tied at the top at five and two in the conference. Mm. Uh, but that's all the about all the time we have for this. So we're gonna call it Larry uh, Miles. Any final thoughts? Uh, I don't understand the playoff committee because Michigan State has a bad win, Oregon has a bad win, but Oregon beat Ohio State. They're ranked higher. Michigan State beat Michigan. They're ranked lower. Yeah, it does. It's not making sense right now. Well, uh, that's a look inside the mind of Miles Harb. And uh, coming up next, we'll be looking inside the mind of past Dean and past Sam, talking about the NFL. So we'll be right back with that. Welcome back to Cardin Lowry on our NFL segment. And we are back to talk about, you know, some pretty, uh, you know, polar weeks uh, between the Steelers and the Panthers, you know, going in the opposite direction. Uh, but Sam, why don't you tell us uh, what happened with the Steelers this week? Um, another victory. Uh, we move up. To five and three now, second in the AFC North. Um, you know, a win against the Bears Monday Night Football. Um, you know, and we got the Lions next, so hopefully that should be a victory as well. So it's looking good. Yeah, and the Bears' continued history of having bad luck with kickers uh, continues as they they miss a, albeit long, sixty-plus uh, yarder uh, to potentially. Uh, tie up that game, but it does not happen. Uh, excuse me, they would have won the game if they had made it, um, but it does not happen. And the Steelers, like Sam said, will play the Lions next week. Um, but uh, they're really making a push here. And the Panthers are not. Uh, they're four and five, fourth in the AFC South. NFC South, excuse me. And they lost twenty-four to six against uh, the New England Patriots. And you know, Sam Darnold three picks, like almost in a row. It's like. 
what happened to the guy? You know, he was so good. We were three and zero, riding high, and then uh, this happens, and uh, it's a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, defense played solidly, but uh, wow, I mean, you just can't you can't have those kind of things happen, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it feels like you're still okay at four and five, but at the same time, you know, with the quarterback as bad as it is. Like he just got to be benched. Sam Donald must be benched. That's what uh, I I say. And uh, frankly, uh, I don't I don't know what the answer is. Uh, PJ Walker can really step up like that, but uh, he was you know the, he had a little glimpse of you know what could be um, you know after he left New York uh, in those first three weeks. But it has gone all downhill from there and. Uh, Tough to see it happen like this, uh, but Sam, why don't you give us a quick look into your fantasy lineup? Um, so looking at my fantasy team, my second loss in a row, this time to Josh. Um, you know, with that uh, Josh or uh, sorry, um, Derek Henry injury. You know, I had to take him out of my lineup, um, and just weak performances all around. Uh, my tight end had an all right game, but Josh Allen, no touchdown passes, um, two interceptions, and a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you know, it was a Tampa Bay bye week, so I basically had a backup offense in. So I'm I'm pointing to that as the reason for my loss, but uh, you know. Hopefully we can pick it up next week. Yeah, and uh, I had a narrow loss. Uh, I'm now in last place. You know, primal position to be uh, wearing the dinosaur costume. That's the punishment. But, you know, the 11th place to 12th, so it's not over yet. Um, I lose by four to Reed. Um, Nick Chubb had a great game, uh, 32.3 points, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a nice game, but Russell Wilson's coming back next week so we can play him. And uh, my defense got me zero points, and Reed's defense got him 25 uh, because of Sam Donald, because he played uh, New England's defense. So, Sam Donald, you are the uh, the bane of all of my problems. Um, but that's going to do it for this NFL segment. Sam, any final thoughts? Nope. I will be back for the final time with our super basketball segment. What's going on? And we are back uh, with the Super Bowl super Basketball segment for the last time, uh, obviously the last week of the MLB. So we're splitting off the NBA, the college basketball, into separate segments. Um, but sad to see it go. But something I was not, uh, you know, particularly sad to see, I was mad to see, was the Hornets. They dropped four in a row this week, uh, losing to the Warriors, Kings, Clippers, and Lakers. The Clippers and Lakers, both of those were kind of last, not last second, but fourth quarter slash overtime collapses. Now five and seven of the season. Terrible defense. Uh, I could go on and on. Um, it's just, it's a little bit, I don't know, I want to call it a coaching problem, but maybe a little bit of not-togetherness right now. Just got to kind of pick ourselves up because we have enough talent to be a playoff team, and we had a hard time to the schedule, to be fair. Um, so, you know, this isn't terrible. You know, we can make some moves. I would not be fearing yet. You know, it's a long season. Uh, but Sam, why don't you give us our player of the week? So our player of the week for this lackluster week, to say the least, um, was Lamelo Ball, who had his second triple double of his career. 
Um, you know, there's not much to say um, because there were four losses. We were 0-4 this week. Um, so, yeah. All right, and looking ahead to next week, you got the uh, Grizzlies on tap and then the Knicks and the Warriors. Only uh, three games uh, in this week. Uh, Sam, what is your goal? How many wins would you like to see uh, this quarantine get? Um, you know, I could see this being another – uh, defeated week, um, but you know I'm gonna look at it optimistically, really optimistically actually, and say we give the Knicks and the Grizzlies a loss, and then lose to the uh, Warriors. Um, so two and one I think would be really good. All right, sounds like a plan, and uh, we're gonna be talking about the top dogs in East conference and the 76ers. Uh, reign supreme again, as they did at the end of last year. Uh, they're eight and three. You got the Heat and the Bulls and the Washington Wizards, all at seven and three. Uh, so they lead uh, the Eastern Conference. Sam, what's going on out west? So out west, the Warriors still kicking it at nine and one. Then coming in in second is the Jazz at seven and three, tied with the Mavericks at seven and three, and then coming in at fourth is the Suns at six and three. Yeah, and uh, Steph Curry had another inhuman kind of night last night. Uh, he put up 50-10, and 10, having another MVP caliber season uh, this year. Thankfully, their record's a little bit better. Klay Thompson, still waiting for him to come back. Super excited for that. Um, but it's time to turn to college basketball, and it starts tonight. And uh, Sam, uh, how excited are you for this uh, first game against uh, Loyal American Maryland uh, for the Tar Heels? Um, I'm excited. You know, I, I feel like... Um, at least for the students of Carolina, I'm excited for them to finally get an, another game in uh, the Dean Dome. Um, but I'm excited for college basketball as a whole. I hate the pumped-in crowd noise. It just sounded so fake. Um, but I'm looking forward to this season a lot. Yeah, me too. And speaking of looking forward to, we got two great matchups tonight. Um, you got Kansas versus Michigan State. And you got uh, Duke and Kentucky facing off in Madison Square Garden. Um, these are kind of the big test games early on. Obviously, these are the traditional teams to play uh, in these games. But, uh, you know, super exciting stuff. Uh, that first game will be at 7, and then the Duke game will be at 9.30. Uh, both those on ESPN. And like I mentioned, the Tarios play Loyola, Maryland tonight. And we'll play Brown, I believe, on Friday. Uh, they're ranked 19th in the nation. Um, but, you know, exciting stuff. And Sam, you know, it's our first time doing this, so why don't you just throw out a, a quick goal. Uh, it's pretty obvious what it's going to be, but give us a goal for the Tar Heels this week. Um, I think it's got to be 2-0. and You cannot drop a game to Brown or Loyola, Maryland. Um, hmm. You know, we'll see, though. Yeah, interesting to see who's going to be the leader on this team. Obviously, you know, a tough season last year to be a – you know, just a an eight seed, and uh, you know, go out so badly in the first round. Um, but there's plenty of hope, and the Hubert Davis era begins tonight. Yeah. Uh, super excited for that. And uh, Sam, any final thoughts? Nope. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of Carl Larry. And you hear from us next Tuesday.